Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today's guest on the show is Mark O'Brien, aka Royal Yellow. He deals in sweet, sweet electronic productions. He's been slowly releasing a stream of quality songs over the past few years. Well, let's not talk about 2020. Culminating most recently in the Still Until EP, which you can order on vinyl at royalyellow.bangamp.com. We talked for the TPOE podcast a couple of weeks ago about his journey from Richter Collective Stalwart's Enemies, double RIP to both Richter Collective and Enemies, to this new sound that he has with Royal Yellow. We also talk about the state of Dublin City and clubbing and venues, the heavy workload that new artists have to carry to get their music out there now, collaborations and lots more. This was a really nice chat, I really enjoyed it. We've been listening to Hazeldean over this introduction. It's Royal Yellow's very first release. 1.7 million plays on Spotify. <laughs> so let's play it with a little bit more of that and get into the interview. Stick around to the end of the show to hear the radio edit of Until Off the new EP. The full version is almost 12 minutes long, so you don't get that. You can listen to it on Spotify. I would highly recommend it. And if you want a little bit more of Royal Yellow, you can check out a short documentary that was released. It's up on District Magazine documenting the journey of Royal Yellow up to the release of this meditative debut EP still until. Thanks as ever for listening to The Point of Everything. Congratulations on the release of your debut EP, Still Until. How are you feeling about it a couple of days after the release? Really good. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's much nicer being on, on the post-release side of it than the pre-release side of it. Uh, I think you'll, you always forget how much stress and anxiety can can come with the, with the couple of days just leading up to a release because you're... You're kind of in this constant state of wondering like have i have i done enough to kind of promote it have i sent enough emails to people do enough people know it's coming out you know you're, you're, you're sort of like constantly sort of doubting whether or not you've you've done enough sort of of the the real important work um and then when it comes out you just have this lovely surrender moment where it's just out and you know no matter what you do you can't change a, a single thing on it 
people are just going to consume it and people are just going to listen to it wherever they want, however they want. And they're going to respond however they will respond. And yeah, it's just a lovely feeling of kind of surrender and and uh, release. And like the, re the responses I've been getting have been really, really heartwarming and lovely. People seem to be kind of connecting with it, which is great because it's a it's a it's three songs, but it's 23 minutes long and it's pretty lofty. You know, it can get quite lofty sort of conceptually and and in terms of like song structures and song lengths and stuff, it's not it's certainly not a kind of a traditional collection of singles. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted, man. I'm really feeling good. I feel like I'm on my summer holidays now. <laughs> You're putting it out on uh, your own label as well. So that just adds another layer of uh, difficulty to things, I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We've started um, myself, Lewis Jackson, who I played with in Enemies for years. And um, my partner, Kate Brady, who who appears all over this record. Um, and James Eager, who actually mixed and mastered and co-produced the record with me. Yeah, we've started a label called Tonic. We actually had our first release last year, which was a Jig EP. That's James Eager's electronic solo project, which I don't think a lot of people know about him, but they should definitely go check it out. If, they, if they're into Royal Yellow, I think they'll definitely like this. He's a big influence on me. It's kind of like very um, tribal, dark, atmospheric, electronic, weirdo music. Uh, he's got an EP called uh, Finally, which we put out last year. So this is our second release and yeah, it's it's a blast like doing it with people that you love and trust and respect and having that kind of community aspect to it. And it means that, you know, when it came out last week, we were able to get together and have pints and celebrate and like really kind of like toast to each other's accomplishment, which is when you're working as a solo artist, I try to do that as much as possible, like find ways to be around other people and working with other people because otherwise it's a pretty lonely endeavor especially after the last year that we had what is the ethos or idea behind the record label is it going to be dance electronica type music there's no real absolutely no real plan behind it presently i think like many independent labels it initially started as a way for us to just facilitate our own releases and kind of like you know have kind of full creative control and, and control over distribution and launch and artwork and all all the rest of it and I think what we'd like to see is that it just grows to represent I guess what I'd like to see I can I can only speak for myself but it is just that it grows to represent kind of weirder slightly more niche Irish music that otherwise kind of goes under the radar because we've got so much good stuff here at the moment that isn't necessarily going to appeal to like I guess it's not necessarily going to appeal to a label that want to make money, <laughs> you know, but like, that's not really what this is about. This is just about kind of like showcasing and championing like interesting, curious, creative approaches to, to music making. So there's a lot of stuff, you know, I don't, I don't want to mention any names, but there's a lot of stuff coming out in the next little while and out there already that, that very much kind of fits that category, I think. So yeah, I'm excited to see what we kind of do. And we're all musicians ourselves as well. So, you know, I'm sure you can expect there's going to be more stuff from Jig. You know, you can expect some stuff from Kate, from Lewis, from myself. So yeah, it's just nice. It's just a little collective, really. It's just a little DIY house industry. Great. I, I do think it's good to kind of have that kind of uh, collective feel to music sometimes. Like you say, like acts can get lost or music can kind of get lost along the way. So it is nice to kind of have this grouping sort of uh, ethos going on. 
Yeah, it's lovely. I mean, we like myself and Lewis, pre, even pre enemies, we came from like a really thriving do it yourself punk scene in North Wicklow of all places, which, you know, starting out in Kilcool in like the kind of early 2000s and um, like the place where they shot Glenrow. And uh, yeah, that's always just been a huge part. Like we had kind of a couple of older guys who were in punk bands who were kind of like showing us the way and very influenced by like what was happening by the likes of Fugazi and, you know, the kind of East Bay punk scene in, in California, you know, back at, you know, sort of like early Green Day and that sort of stuff, Gilman Street Project. So we've always kind of had that that ethos in it of just like, don't wait around for permission or for the kind of channels of, of mainstream culture to to come and sort of like rescue you. You kind of have to just take initiative into your own hands and and make stuff and release stuff and, and do it for you. Um, and as we saw with enemies, like that led to some some really cool stuff. So we figure if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, it's interesting though to hear you say that you still get nervous about releasing music in the weeks and days leading up to it. Like considering, you know, you go back to the early noughties of making music and, and putting out music. Is it just like getting people to listen to the music is like the hard thing? I guess it's kind of funny. I don't think I got, I certainly wasn't getting nervous in the, in, you know, 2004, you know, when I was putting out my first punk track with, with my band at the time. I think you get nervous now because, and I think that this is a really interesting kind of conversation to have, but like there's so much that's expected of an artist now when it comes to releasing your own music. Like we're plugged into these devices that have like you know seven different music apps on them and like you've got so just to do a quick real you know you've got like you're focusing on your youtube you're focusing on your spotify you're focusing on your soundcloud your Bandcamp, your social media which might be twitter instagram maybe you're on tiktok i'm definitely not maybe one day i will be you know you're generating posts you're coming up with a strategy you're trying to come up with like a, you're trying to like package it under a nice narrative like and then you're sending it out to radio magazines. Uh, like it's just, there's so much more like our, myself and Lewis always talk about how like back in the day when we were, when Lewis was working at the Richter Collective, for example, there was a lot of work to do, but it was an email list and you know, you'd put it out on, you'd put it out on vinyl and you might send a couple of copies to people. And that was the kind of work done. But I guess there's this, there's this like scarcity of there's this like we've got this like attention economy now which is like you're constantly sort of competing for people's attention in a very busy space where where there's thousands of other images and videos and stories also competing for that person's attention and it's just kind of exhausting because you never you never really feel like you've done enough you know it's like having it's just like having a washing basket that's constantly full of clothes and <laughs> <laughs> no matter how many times you load the washing machine, there's still fucking clothes in the washing basket. So uh, to use a, a weird um, metaphor. But yeah, so I think the nervousness just comes from that. It's just this feeling of leaving the bit. Have I left the baby on the bus? Um, you know, or am I ready to kind of hit launch on this? And in 2004, when we were just putting out like a CD or and handing it out to to 50 friends, that, that feeling of nervousness certainly wasn't wasn't there. 
I'm, I'm guessing uh, there's the added pressure as well now that you are like a solo act rather than in a band. Like there's no kind of hiding behind it. It's all kind of on your shoulders, which I guess is alleviated a little bit anyway by having the label behind you as well. I find the solo act thing a little bit, it doesn't really line up with me because there's always, I try to involve other people as often, as frequently as possible in this, whether it's in the kind of songwriting or whether it's in the distribution or the releasing of the music. And, and again, that just comes back to like what that, that, that love of community and that love of collaboration and that love of like doing things as a, as a group. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of always something that I kind of strive for. And I'd be like, I'd be, very influenced by like broken social scene which is just like a a reference that i throw around a lot which is like you know this amazing canadian band which is just kind of constantly evolving and has you know depending on when you see them they might have nine members or 13 members or 16 members it kind of has like two guys at the core but it's this constantly kind of evolving collective collaborative project Uh, and that just that always just makes it so pleasant I suppose during during lockdown, I found myself in a position where like at times I really had to just do it alone. And uh, and that was kind of interesting, too, because, you know, you're you're it's important to it's important to know how to be alone and to work creatively alone as well. uh, And to sharpen that saw and to and to really like strengthen that skill and some really good stuff comes out of it. Like I think like, you know, some of the quieter moments on the EP where it's, you know, where it's a lot more like the, the opening of the EP, for example, that was that was kind of created uh, very much in in a very isolated sort of quiet space. So I think that has added value as well. I don't know. People are great. You know, more people all the time, please. Uh, a quick detour. Have you ever seen Broken Social Scene live? I have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw them in Berlin about one of the first gigs that myself and uh, my partner Kate ever went to was 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 broken social scene in Berlin about ten or eleven years ago now. It was amazing, such a joyous, like just triumphant, jubilant, anthemic celebration of sound and and you know it it sounds like when you describe it to someone, it sounds like it could be the cheesiest thing in the world. But the songs are just so good that it can't not be amazing. And saw them in District Eight as well. I don't know if you were at that show. Oh, wow, no, no, I've never seen them live. Oh man, District 8 was like, and it was like shortly before they closed District 8 in the Tivoli, Tivoli Theatre over on Francis Street. And it's like, you know, like, what is it, like a thousand cap venue, but like a really low stage and you're kind of just like right, you're right in it, you know, when there's, when there's 10 of them on stage, they kind of fill up almost half the room. And yeah, again, it just felt more like a house party, like the best house party you've ever been to rather than a, rather than a show, but yeah, that was lovely. And Jesus, RIP, RIP Tivoli Theatre, which then went on to be Jam Park, which has also now just been uh, <laughs> taken away from us. So you're leading me nicely into my next question. Great. So um, like <laughs> someone who's played all over Dublin over the past like decade plus, I mean, do you worry about the future? Because I saw on the press release, it kind of says that these are kind of club ready tracks or the drums on the uh, Royal Yellow songs are club ready. I mean, are these made to be played live? And do you worry about once gigs are back, where will be left for you to play? Totally, man. I mean, it's been a it's been a concern for for years. You know, I think that the even going back as far as as when I was playing with enemies several years ago, like the the fact that shows have to end at like ten o'clock or ten thirty 
has always felt like absolute bullshit to me. I get it. Like, so the bar can get it, get the ticket holding punters for a gig out and get in the people who are going to buy pints and, and get the DJ in and just have another event. So you can have two events in one night for the price of one. That was always something that I was kind of bummed out about because as any musician knows, playing at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, that's like the best, you know, that's like the best time to play because everyone is just so, you know, in it <laughs> or out of it or what, or somewhere between, between those two worlds. Yeah, man, I really worry. I, I think it's, it's terrible the state of the city that we have at the moment. And, you know, seeing Jam Park close down the other day felt like a really massive blow. I've only ever been to one show there. It was, it was Caribou and Floating Points doing a back-to-back DJ set in 2019. And it was like one of the best nights I've ever had. Um, it had massive potential as a venue in terms of like, like in terms of competing at a kind of a European level in terms of like big, huge super club, incredible sound system you know, like close to the airport. Um, it just seemed too good to be true. And it's it's really, really sad that it's gone now. And I wish the I wish the guys from from District 8 all the best in finding a new home. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I I, I do think we're in a really, really da- dangerous and precarious situation at the moment where like we really have to be we really have to watch out and make sure that we don't lose more spaces. But, and I think people like Give Us the Night, you know, like organizations like that are so vital for protecting it. But at the same time, like you do feel somewhat powerless sometimes as just a, as just a little old Joey punter or music maker in a city where, you know, where, where money and uh, corporate culture seems to sort of dominate. I mean, it's like without without going too far down a like overly negative rabbit hole here. It's very telling that like, you know, the scenes we saw in Dublin over the weekend where people were being like quite aggressively moved on from public spaces by the guards for um, what was reported in RT News as loitering. Like it's not loitering if you're just hanging out in your own city, like the city belongs to you as people and residents of the city. And it, we shouldn't have a culture where you the only reason that you're allowed to sort of exist in your city or or um or be in your city is if you're spending money on the high street um so yeah i am i'm very very worried about the state that dublin's in at the moment and i just i'm i'm kind of like at the same time i i tend to be an eternal optimist and i tend to feel like things do eventually work out and that the the cream and the good always rises to the top but yeah, it's a weird, weird time. And I hope that these songs can be played in sweaty, packed venues uh, at two o'clock in the morning with, you know, people embracing and dancing and kissing and sweating all over each other. But um, which in a post, which, which you know, actually sounds probably like a nightmare to a lot of people coming out of a pandemic. But yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel about it? <laughs> uh, well, I passed Jam Park for the first time over the weekend, just driving on the M50, and it was like, holy moly, it, it looks so cool. Disappointed that like I'll never have gotten to a show there, which, which is sad. I'm guessing that the pandemic had a big effect on its prospects over the past year. The fact they haven't been able to put on gigs. I know that they had, judging by my uh, Instagram advertising algorithm i saw that they had fatima yamaha lined up there uh, later in the year wow but i'm guessing that the pandemic also hit your 
plans as well like you haven't done too many live shows have you and like did you have great plans for 2020 and they were like just derailed and forced you to recalibrate rethink uh yeah pretty much I mean I think like I I'm trying to think back to it's hard to think back to where your head was before all this um so I'm trying to think back to like 2019 and what you'd released a couple of singles <laughs> yeah and it, and it seemed like you're kind of like figuring out the way forward and then it's just kind of like a, a full stop sort of thing a halt in the road yeah yeah I definitely wanted to I, I definitely wanted to ramp up the kind of live aspect of it and really start to you know to figure that out having said that though I, I do think for me and it's and it, and it really is different to person to person but I do think that for me the pandemic actually offered me a really wonderful luxury which was time and space to just go and I think sonically really get a a, a deeper understanding of of the kind of texture and the kind of sound and the kind of I guess sonic identity that I wanted to sort of have or that felt like a a good fit for me and I was on John Barker on on Totally Irish the other night saying that like my early releases or the early songs that I wrote kind of felt like I was renting hats from different shops you know and, and, and trying them on but this EP for me has really felt like I've kind of gone back to my wardrobe and found one that fits beautifully that I actually own so uh I'm loving yeah. all of these clothing metaphors there's a lot yeah yeah man clothes I haven't <laughs> I haven't bought clothes in about a year so it's obviously like niggling away in the back of my subconscious need to go shopping I really need to go shopping. Yeah. So if people could order uh, the EP from tonicrecordings.com <laughs> forward slash merch so I can buy myself some new clothes, that would be fantastic. What were we talking about there? The sound. It's been lovely for me to just to figure it out. I think if I had, in a way, if I had just gone down the, if I'd gotten on the conveyor belt of like, okay, it's festivals. And then it's like, you know, several months of like, gigs leading up to festivals and then festivals and then showcases and and getting on that it, it can actually take a lot of time away from writing and, and figuring out your your craft and your identity so in a way it's been good and I kind of like that I've just sort of written off this year as well you know I, I'm kind of just looking at next year as as the time when I'll be when I'll be really playing gigs that's not to say if someone came along and offered me something sweet I would turn it down little little note to all you promoters out there uh but <laughs> but yeah yeah I'm kind of just I'm kind of just focusing on I'm kind of just focusing on next year and I'd, I'd actually love to just go back get back into the studio now and do perhaps another EP you know just so that when that when that time comes there's a a really stacked set list of of good stuff when you just listed out that workload that's involved in like the talking to promoters and playing live and you added to the workload you mentioned earlier with putting out music just like making sure that you're on all the platforms and doing all the social media like how do acts like in the before times or in the future times where are acts going to find the time to just concentrate on the music man I don't know I don't know how like I don't know how young artists today manage it you know like I have a I have a degree in visual communications and graphic design so when it comes to like making art like the basic things like artwork and social media content and videos I can I can manage that like that's something that I'm comfortable doing um but I often think about the person who's like 18 19 20 years old and how overwhelming that might be you know even just that you know regardless of getting into like your PR network or your promoter network or your live circuit network or whatever 
it's mad, you know. Um, it really is like hats off to anyone who's independently making music in, in Ireland or in the world right now. And, you know, if we look at Ireland, like there's so many people absolutely smashing it. I just like fair play because it is it's crazy, you know, <laughs> like you have to be insane to do it. So, yeah, the idea of actually going away and and writing and hiding away in your in your own little cocoon for a while and just making music. That's I mean, that sounds like a dream to me right now, because, you know, if, if I'm to be perfectly honest, I haven't really had the opportunity to do that for quite a few months. So, yeah, it's very alluring to spend a summer locked away in a dark little room making some more uh, some more tunes. You've mentioned Enemies a few times. Tell me about the transition from the end of that band a couple of years ago into Royal Yellow. How did you, maybe how did you know when Enemies was winding down? How do you feel about it now? And where did the idea come to start up Royal Yellow? There's a lot a lot of questions yeah, there. I'll, I'll yeah, give you a few I minutes mean, to... Well, no, naturally, it definitely came out at the end of the end of Enemies. I think we, with Enemies, we kind of... Um, we were sort of writing our third album. We had lost our drummer, as in he left the band, you know, <laughs> he's still very much alive and well. <laughs> Shout out to Oshin. But Oshin had left the band and uh, we were kind of like having a slight little identity crisis in terms of we need to get a new drummer in. And we were lucky enough to get Michal Quinn from, from Enemies and now playing with Dermot Kennedy, who's like the best dude in the world. I think we kind of collectively made a a conscious effort that we were that this was going to be the album you know this was going to be the album that like launched us into the stratosphere you know the album that we could start making financially sort of like making money off of and we'd be able to tour 250 days of the year and live off of enemies i suppose we all made it we all decided to kind of quit our jobs and really kind of like go full steam ahead with this and uh that naturally led to uh all of us hating the band <laughs> and, and therefore and therefore finishing the band uh no not not hating the band but we just totally burnt ourselves out you know like we were we were putting a really a really unrealistic expectation on on the future of the band and on our friendships and on our working relationships with each other and um and and so we just sort of slightly self-imploded and after like a fairly grueling um like seven week tour of america we, we we just said like hey guys let's let's call this you know let's re let's release the album and, and we're really proud of the album and let's do like a big giant celebratory final show at, at vicar street which was like the biggest dublin show we ever played it was amazing but then ultimately like with love and generosity and friendship we were like let's let's know when to call this you know and let's keep our let's keep these friendships and these relationships intact before this becomes like a gross nine to five as opposed to a thing that we love which is which is a band so we did that and i'm really glad that we did um but obviously it was it's quite difficult then because you're sort of out on your own and you're sort of wondering what your place in in music is and what your identity as a person is you know when so much of your identity is wrapped up in in this thing that you've done for 10 years and in these three other people who you love and spend so much time with so i guess i just myself and Kate we just went traveling we went to Southeast Asia for about four months and we were just just trying to get away from everything and listening to a lot of new music and for me I was listening to a lot more uh in the beginning I was listening to a lot more soul and hip-hop and like I was learning a lot about production just through through listening to hip-hop and really studying it and 
listening to you know DJ Shadow, listening to interviews with kind of DJ Shadow and the likes of Bonobo and Fortet and uh, just people who have a kind of a curious, almost magpie-like approach to making music where it's, it can be quite sample-led and very much like utilizing kind of technology and, and bedroom recording techniques and things like that. Uh, and then it just naturally spawned out of that, you know, and I was, I was, I was back in my old bedroom in, in Dublin and just learning how to use Ableton and just making stuff that was just for me. And then I released the first single Hazeldean in 2018 and it did like surprisingly well. And then there was just the support and the encouragement there to, to keep going. It's been a really lovely journey so far, you know, and, and I suppose one of the interesting things was like, I had to kind of go away and be alone in order to learn how to, how to write and how to produce and how to kind of have full creative control over my art. But once I kind of had a decent enough grasp on that, I immediately started to bring in people like, you know, Dylan Lynch from Soda Blonde plays with me often on, on my recordings and Ryan Hargaden from, you know, who plays with like Kojak and Anamika. He's like all over my stuff. Neil Dexter, who just recently launched his own solo career. He's all over that stuff as well. Kate Brady, my partner is, you know, everything from the artwork of the EP to the, to the backing vocals or the vocals on Until and the lovely hums that you hear at the end of Hazeldean. It, it went from enemies, this big collective thing to like a very isolated kind of solo thing. And now it's, it feels like it's almost coming full circle back to more of a kind of a communal collective sort of experience. And we've actually made um, a short documentary with uh, Ronan Fox of Tiny Ark about kind of how Still Until was created and about the kind of, you know, the communal, almost like the community-based sort of music therapy aspect of the band that comes from being in a room together. That's great that it all has kind of come come around uh, naturally, kind of your um, movement to a different type of music. Do you ever find yourself feeling nostalgic for just wanting to go into a room and just blast it all out, like guitars turned up to 11? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, it's, that's a good feeling, you know? Um, yeah, I guess, I guess I don't. I'm like, I mean, when you talk about it there, when you talk about like, Oh, you getting into a room and just like crank the guitars and, and go nuts. Like, which, you know, was very much the way that we wrote it with enemies. It sounds lovely, but I, I do, I, I do try to live as much in the present as possible. And I do, I get, to, I do get such joy and satisfaction out of just, putting my headphones on and blasting sub bass frequencies into my ears or programming drum patterns or, or, or watching Dylan or Ryan or Neil do a, a take in, in studio. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I guess, I guess, but it's just, you know, you just evolved, you know, like there's, I butchered my ear, I murdered my eardrums and massacred my eardrums for so many years with like guitar and distortion and, and cymbals and, I feel like I've kind of, I've, I've, I've just feasted and gorged upon that so much that uh, I'm still full, <laughs> almost, you know, I'm not ready to have the next course of, <laughs> of that type of music just yet. Um, Fair enough. Fair at enough. Least, but I mean, I, I'll happily take a serving if someone else is, is performing it for me. <laughs> At the end of 2020, you were in County Clare, I think in Doolan, wasn't it, for um, Hibernical, Hibernacle? Um, yeah, Hibernical, yeah. Which was another, what you were talking about earlier, the importance of collaboration. You got to play 
music with the likes of other people who were there lisa hannigan nilo and saint sister were some of the other artists who were there lisa hannigan you've had guested on a track uh you've released in the past called may the first just it's just uh the lisa hannigan appreciation corner now if you just want to talk about uh how great it is working with her um, oh i mean and, and just making music with her and being in the same hotel as her and just getting to talk ideas with her yeah i could sit in the lisa hannigan appreciation corner for hours um yeah she's just the, she's just the most wonderful open lovely incredibly talented um person uh and i think when i when i first reached out to lisa because i'd sampled her in may the first i was very much like that came with a lot of trepidation and a lot of like years of admiration and of, and of being a fan and of kind of thinking like yeah this is probably I'm probably biting off a bit more than I can chew here. And, you know, I'm I'm probably going to get a polite uh, thanks, but no thanks. Um, and getting, you know, getting a lovely email back that was basically just a, a glowing endorsement and, and, a, and a, a hard yes. Um, that kind of w- was a really wonderful moment for me, but also, I guess, opened the door for for that relationship to kind of happen. And so then, yeah, getting, you know, we never actually... I'd never actually met Lisa prior to Hibernical, but we were emailing a little bit in the lead up to it and talking about doing something down there. And um, yeah, it was lovely. Like, you know, it was just so nice. It's, it's, it's so nice to get in a room with someone who you've admired for, for such a long time. And, and then to find out that they're actually as sound as they come across in the media or in interviews, because I'm sure a lot of the time, it doesn't go that way, <laughs> you know, like the classic never meet your heroes thing. So working with Lisa down at, in Doolin was was lovely. Um, we actually wrote we wrote a song together in like a day and we had Morgan and Gemma from from St. Sister on that one as well. So it was just like the four of us just buzzing away in a room together, just writing. And I hope that one day that some of that music sort of sees the light of day. I think it's just kind of sat on my hard drive for for months now since. But I'd love to kind of dig that out at some point and get it out into the world but um yeah i mean that was a dream that actually inspired so much of like kind of of the creative approach that i've tried to bring into 2021 now which is making it less of a solitary isolated experience and um, you mentioned nilo down there as well like he was he was just he was just incredible like he was just like i don't i don't think he i don't think nilo slept for three days because he was just jumping on absolutely everything that came available you know he just wanted to put a verse on whether it was, you know, whether it was like a, a soft, angelic, acoustic, Celtic harp piece, or or it was um or it was some weird and wacky kind of um oddball pop music that Paul Noonan was putting together. Like what no matter what it was, Nelly Nilo was just was on fire. Uh, yeah, I mean, like who else was down there? Like you had like Hunnis, who's an amazing talent and uh, you had like Feli Speaks and uh, Tosin and Paul Noonan and Alvaretti and just an incredible uh, collection of, of people down there. It was lovely. Great. Just before we wrap up, is Royal Yellow the first time that you've actually sung on on um, recorded pieces of music? You've a little bit of vocals on the first single that you put out, Hazel Dean. You've got a couple of vocals in this as well. Is this the first time that you've done that? How did, how did you find that? it's not it might sound like it it's it's still something that i find um 
it's still something that is like the hardest thing to do um because my voice has a very narrow spectrum of like where it sounds good <laughs> and it has a very wide spectrum of where it sounds horrible but uh I mean I was singing in like those early those kind of early punk bands I spoke about like I was in a band called Almost Cliche and I was in a band called Rand and I was in a band called Disco Trader and I was often kind of screaming my head off in those bands in a very kind of emo uh overly emotional overly earnest punk rock sort of way I dabbled in vocals in Enemies as well there's little bits of myself and Owen that pop up Owen that who was the guitar player in Enemies there's bits of me and him popping up in a very kind of like light touch um almost using our voice as an instrument sort of way and then there's the the stuff that I do with Royal Yellow as well which again is like a constant exercise in trying to say um trying to say as much as, as possible with as little as possible um, I'll often do takes and takes and takes and takes when it comes to vocals and I'll probably uh, slice away about 95% of what's of what's done in an initial kind of pass and just keep you know just keep the the nuggets um Dan Snaith from Caribou I was listening to a podcast with him recently he's a huge inspiration for me when it comes to vocals and he has a very similar kind of approach he he sort of realizes the limitations of his own voice and you know it could be just a two a two note repeating sort of pattern but he says he'll do it like he'll do it and do it and do it and do it you know maybe a hundred times to get like the one that's closest to good <laughs> you know I think his vocals are absolutely amazing but he talks about them in in a very humble kind of slightly self-deprecating way and that's very encouraging for me as someone who I, I mean I don't I don't hold myself in like very high regard as a singer but I do think that there's a there's a character to my voice and there's a personality to it that that definitely adds to the music rather than takes away from it I hope so uh I'm, you, you know I'll probably continue to uh to walk that line <laughs> well talking about uh the future um I, I kind of feel bad always asking bands who have just put something out like what what are your plans for the future is it just to enjoy this side of the release for a while before you start planning new music or do you already have stuff in the works and collaborations in the works for royal yellow um there's a couple of yeah there's like there's a hard drive full of stuff there that i'm looking forward to kind of dusting off and looking at with the benefit of a bit of space and distance now you know whether it's stuff that was made down at hibernical or stuff that i've kind of just created on random sort of evenings or even things that were maybe made two or three years ago that I've sort of long forgotten about now. Um, I'm really, really hungry to get into just writing new music for the most part. I'm, I'm really hungry to just, to just start. I feel very inspired now and very ready having gone through the kind of release cycle um, and, you know, to just keep the momentum of, of, of this sort of sound going. Um, I had such a blast making this EP that I kind of just want to get back into studios again and and make more. Um, and again, in that regard, it's kind of nice not having the distraction of of touring, you know, because you could spend two years maybe out on the road, not writing a single piece of music, and then uh, and then you can kind of come back and be like, Jesus, what? Where was I? What? Like, what am I as an artist? So, yeah, in in a weird way, I'm kind of it's kind of nice that I've had the option of tours taken away from me at least for a couple of months because it means I can just get back to um I can just get back to writing and at least now in in 
you know, when you look out your window, it's summertime and there's people drinking pints in the street and the pubs are back open and, you know, life is kind of healing. So uh, there's actual inspiration going in now, which feels great. I think for a couple of months there, it was very hard to actually channel any sort of real inspiration because life had gotten so repetitive and sort of monotonous and, and gray. So, yeah, I'm just excited to, to write, to be honest, man.